Hey guys, welcome to this week's Money Investing Show. This week we are opening the door to what we call women's wealth. I'm sitting with an expert trader that is going to be working on the journey with me to help you get started and maintain your success in markets. Take plenty of notes, but as always, make sure you take plenty of action. Enjoy the show. Hey guys, welcome to this week's Money and Investing Show with me, your host, Andrew Baxter. And not like always, I am blessed today to have a guest on our show, but more importantly than a guest on the show, actually one of our new partners, and that is my good friend, Sandra Bravo. Welcome onto the podcast, Sandra. Thank you for having me, Andrew. I'm super excited to be here today. Good to have you along, and thanks for making the time. So I, I guess we've known each other a while now. Do you want to let our audience know how we met? It's going back in the midst of time a bit now, isn't it? Yes, I, I don't even know how many years, but we um, have both spoken on the same stages alongside Robert Kiyosaki That's several right, yeah. times. Um, one of them, the bigger one, I guess, was in, in New Zealand. I mm. think we had like four thousand people in the audience or something a lot of people listening to the wisdom or at least what i hope was going to be the wisdom that's for sure but yeah that's that is actually that's about five or six years ago now which has gone yes. by in a heartbeat i think that's four children in not three children in the scale that i use oh, in my wow. house or three kids ago <laughs> so great to have you along i know you've been doing an awful lot since and one of the great things uh, like in the industry that we've been in the the speaking space yes. you get to meet a lot of people sometimes it's quite transient there's a casual conversation backstage and you never see them again and sometimes you kind of keep in touch and i always think you can Keep in touch for a reason and we've spoken a few times and hearing i guess the the, the post speaking on stage world and we'll get on to covid and all that i'm sure as we go through and your journey is has been phenomenal to hear and uh, i'm looking forward to seeing where we take it uh, going forward so why don't you tell us a little bit about your background your story Yes, well, in case you're trying to guess the accent, I'm originally from Mexico, although I've been in Australia now for half my life, so it's a bit mixed. And I guess coming from a culture where it's still a very male-dominated culture, for me, it was a big difference coming to Australia where there is a lot more equality and, you know, women's rights and, and women going for career positions and things like that. And mm. I mean, for me, I love it because I've always been very career oriented and I've always felt like I want to utilize my brain and, you know, this, this is a competitive side in me. And even though I am the mother of two beautiful girls, staying at home as a full time mom was never the thing for me. Like mm -hmm. I always needed to have my career alongside. Um, and I used to do women's retreats um, to work on their mindset, their self-esteem and all of that as a public speaker, which I really loved and found very fulfilling until, of course, COVID came along and that put an end to all of that. It changed an awful lot of things, didn't it? Like, I guess, you know, I think out of every setback, and I think for so many people, the pandemic for a lot of people you deem as being a setback, yet it's such a, a creator of opportunity if you look through different yes. lenses. And and certainly from, from your stories, I'm sure you'll share and, and, and what we've been able to do, it's been very much that. And I guess that brings us to you know, why we're here, why we're talking today, and, and why I'm so excited to sort of be opening the door for the first time on this. And that's this whole notion of women's wealth. Um, you know, we've been in this space at the, the vanguard, if you will, of financial literacy now for, for a couple of decades. And it's a boys club. Yes. And I think sometimes breaking that door down for particularly a lot of female investors can be can be quite challenging. It can mm -hmm. seem intimidating uh, and, and to an extent misogynist. And I guess we've got an opportunity today to really change that narrative and create a pathway which is welcoming that's that's accepting and perhaps most importantly works and so let's talk a little bit covid came along and yes. that's the end of end of the retreat business as it were as it was for all of us that were speaking on big stages around the world so what did you do 
Yeah, so I didn't know what to do with all this spare time in my hands because I was used to being overseas at least once a month, traveling all the time. So I guess um, a blessing in disguise, like like you said, that at the time I realized, well, you know what? I have teenagers at home. It's really nice to actually be home and spend time with them. And at the same time, what should I do with all my spare time? And so I started um, attending a lot of meetings with financial planners because I didn't know what to do to grow my wealth. Mm. And um, I actually ended up engaging two financial planners to to look after my money. And at the same time, I had the curiosity to start learning myself. I've always been like a why person and mm. hands-on. And I started educating myself. That was three years ago on how to trade and invest for myself. And so I guess as a bit of an experiment, I thought I would uh, give the same amount to a couple of my financial planners. I was about to do three. Luckily, I didn't. So I went and gave $500,000 to one of my financial planners. I did the same thing with the second one and then I thought I would do the same amount myself and just see what would happen over a period of a year. Can I, can I ask like the, 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 the difficulty so many people have and, and, and this is men and women, that notion of I'll give it to the professionals because this is what they do versus the responsibility and the pressure that comes with that responsibility yes. of, of taking it on yourself. It's your money. You've had to work hard for it. After tax, you've saved it and now you are going to take a leap of faith that you can do as good a job or hopefully do as good a job as the yeah. the professionals that you've charged with looking after your money. And psychologically, that's a, a huge barrier for many people. Is that something you experienced too? I'm very, very scary. And before you just used that word intimidating and that's exactly what it was for me. I attended so many meetings with financial planners because each of them would tell me something completely different. And it was like trying to learn Japanese. Like I, mm. it was so intimidating that the language that they used that I couldn't even ask questions because I just felt so ignorant sitting there. So I was just taking notes and then going home to Google. So that hopefully my next meeting with a financial planner, I could at least ask one or two questions and look a mm. little bit less ignorant <laughs> and, and so forth until, you know, I, I guess even just being able to trust someone after all those appointments, mm to go okay here's my money but like you said you know as a single mom having to work my butt off for years to save that money and just like almost shaking going mm. to to give it to someone and trusting that they're going to grow it for you was it, huge it, it's a huge leap of faith i think even harder than that is trusting yourself to do this when it's a, a new yes. venture so let's wind the clock forward three years mm -hmm. let's talk a little bit about the performance so you took on some money to manage yourself and then distributed the other two chunks to, to professional advisors. Tell us a bit about the performance of those three different strategies. Yeah, about seven months into it, I got a couple of emails where, where which were like the half year review emails showing the numbers. And I was shocked when I opened them. I was actually shaking because one of them, I was down, I think it was $54,000. Big amount of money. Yeah. It's a lot, uh, especially because like I know how long or how much work I would have to put to recover that money. Mm. So not only I haven't made any money, but I've actually, I'm backwards mm. a lot. And um, the other one was about, had me about 6,000 down. Mm -hmm. But on the account that I was doing myself, and I started very little at the beginning because obviously I needed to build my confidence. Um, I was $112,000 up. Well, so the notion of starting small is something we obviously encourage massively with our ecosystem. And that's, I guess it's like learning to swim. You don't want to throw yourself in the deep end, get in the shallow end, have a paddle around, see what the water feels like. Yes. And then as your confidence grows, 
you move towards the deep end or in the investing space, you trust yourself with a little bit more money, a little bit more yes. money, you start to see results. So, so what did you then decide to do? So you've had two, two, two investment strategies, one down fairly heavily, the other one down a little bit. And then obviously what you're doing yourself was working well. So what did you, what was your next decision? In yeah, I had a lot of uh, echoing voices in my head that no one is ever going to care for your money as much as you're going to care for it yourself. Mm. So um, I sent a couple of emails to both financial planners inquiring like, well, shouldn't the fees that I pay be performance-based mm. rather than, you know, a fixed fee that I pay? And that was just the first year. The second year, they wanted me to go from the fixed fee plus a percentage of the money I invested, not of the money they would make me. Gotcha. Yeah. So I obviously, at the end of the year, I decided to uh, not use my financial planners anymore and mm. just continue doing it myself. Um, and a big thing for me has been to go over the rules a million times just so that I could trust myself to, to remove the motion out of the equation, knowing mm -hmm. that I'm just following a system. Mm -hmm. And as long as I follow the rules, I know when to get in, when to get out and manage my, my risk as much as possible. Of course, I've made a lot of mistakes and especially that first year. So yeah, what size t-shirt are you? We've got lots of t-shirts here. I made a mistake. It's, uh, you're in good company. That's for sure. Right. But I think, you know, that in itself, if I, if I may interrupt is making a mistake is not it's not a death sentence. It's a learning experience if you catch yeah. it the right way. And, and if you've got a process that you've been following and you've got the discipline to stick to that process, you know, things invariably work because when the process is right, the results always follow. This is an interesting juncture insofar as in my experience um, of, well, if I, if I start with my career, so I started in 92 in London. And to give you an idea, on the life floor in London, the Futures Exchange in London, there were two female traders when I started. Wow. And if I look at the industry now, there are 26% of brokers or traders in markets based on open and funded accounts are female now. And that's been a huge groundswell, particularly since COVID, actually, whether that was yes. the, the kick along for it, I'm not, not sure, but it certainly changed an awful lot. And you know, over the last 20 or so years where I've been teaching people, I've always had this belief in my mind that women make better traders than men and I've seen it happen time and time again and we'll get into the reasons why in a moment and anecdotally hearing your story if I take Susan Noyan who was a trader of the year from a, a couple of years ago you know uh, first generation Australian English second language not a huge amount of formal education run a hairdressing business in Melbourne during the pandemic it was closed not an essential service two three-year-old girls to, to, to accommodate and, and, and we met, got up and running and, and she's absolutely crushed it. Another example, maybe mm. coincidence, I don't know. Once when someone does something, I consider it to be luck. Twice when I see someone do it, maybe it's coincidence. coincidence. Three, five, 10, 20, 50, 100 times, that's not coincidence. There's something that requires a deeper, deeper questioning as to why. And I think you've just hit the nail on the head um, in terms of some of the attributes which statistically, psychologically, and these are very, very well-researched um, studies. So if we take Fidelity Investments, one of the biggest investment managers in the world, according to Fidelity, they did a fairly extensive study a couple of years ago, and I can imagine the pendulum swung even more since then, that statistically, profit-wise, women are better traders than men. 0.4% a year at performance, year in, year out, over a vast amount of data. Now, 0.4% doesn't sound a lot, but when it's from a company like F Fidelity, which is vast, yes. that is actually a really significant number. So what are some of the reasons behind this? And I think if you look at the, the, the natural traits that men and women have, and as I say, I'm in an industry which I'm very fortunate in my team here, 70% of our staff are female. Um, typically in this, in this industry, it is a boys' club. 
Yes. And yet, when you look at the performance side of it, the women typically are better performers at this role. What are the barriers to entry? Why aren't there more women in there doing this? And what are some of the reasons why they excel? And I think the main one that springs to mind is attitude toward risk. In yes. that, as a male, hypothetically, if we had a weakness, obviously we don't. As <laughs> a joke, by the way, but uh, you know, it, the, the the notion of ego is a huge thing to carry, mm-hmm. and I think men genetically have a more developed ego, and that notion of admitting you're wrong is very, very hard to do under those circumstances. Yet, good profitable trading is about recognizing when you're wrong and saying, "Hey, I got this wrong. Mm-hmm. Time to change tack." Yes, that's a huge one. I think that's in favor of women over men. Any yeah. thoughts on that? No, I agree. I've read a lot of articles that say that women make better traders than men. And like you said, one of them, I think, is the ego. I think we were going for, you know, independence and I've got to feed my kids on all of this versus trying to compete with anyone else or to prove to myself that I'm right. That's, that, that's the word. It's that competition. The only competition you have is with yourself, not with somebody else. That's, yes. that's massive. Yes. And I think as well, for us women, I, I feel like for years we've been more and more educated on on saving and and getting rid of debt and all of that like I know for me that had been my journey before starting to trade like for me it was all about I don't want that I don't want to owe anything to anyone you know paying off my car my house whatever Mm -hmm. saving having goals and I think we're better with budgets and Mm -hmm. and priorities and things like that that also makes a difference and as well I think that more often than not men probably just do it as as a side hobby or something versus us women that just like i i don't have any other way but to make it work Mm. you know what i mean and especially like me where i used to travel and now i can see i can be a present mom for teenage girls that need me at home like why wouldn't why why wouldn't i want to give it all you know Mm -hmm. i think that just the reason for doing it as well is very different with women wanting to be more independent and and like i said for me coming from a culture where it's very male dominated and and i see through my retreats i used to see a lot you know women that are staying in very unfulfilling and abusive relationships because they don't have the belief that they can look after themselves or the kids financially. Mm-hmm. So they feel like they're stuck in this situation when, mm-hmm. you know, here in Australia, especially like it's, it's I see women want to be more independent and be able to take care of themselves and, and more career oriented. And I think all of those traits really help us. Uh, and I think we're more disciplined as well with, with rules. I like mm-hmm. to think, even though I'm a rival, um, <laughs> I learned very quickly that if I'm not following rules, I'm just gambling. And, mm-hmm. and I don't like gambling because I don't want to go to bed stressing of what if I lose it, what's mm-hmm. going to happen? So I just have to learn the hard way. I've got to follow the rules so it doesn't feel like I'm gambling. Mm-hmm. That's really interesting. I, I think the two parts of the emotion or, or emotional side of this, the first one is I think, from what you're just saying, from a female perspective, maybe there's a more emotive reason for wanting to do this. Mm-hmm. But when it comes to actually doing it, there's far less emotion involved. Mm-hmm. Whereas from a male perspective, huge generalization, but there's less emotional reason for wanting to do it other than, well, I'll have a go at this. Yeah. But then once in the in the heat of combat, it becomes extremely emotional where there's an ego and there's greed and that desire to be the app performer in the group yes. and, and that competition and all the things that can be really toxic, as well as that ingrained I guess, male trait of inherently being a bigger risk taker and focusing less on safety and and successful trading. And I I say this candidly, having seen it firsthand for over 30 years, it's not about how much money you make, it's how much you get to keep. And so your risk management has to be rock solid first and foremost. Without that, 
you're on the punt, you're having a gamble. Uh, and everyone knows that doesn't end well. I agree, 100%. Mm. So as we move through into a new phase for you, so mm -hmm. you, I guess that journey from being in the public speaking space into becoming, for argument's sake, a professional investor, if we're to put a label on it, mm -hmm. and the learning journey that went alongside that. Mm -hmm. you know, our conversation today is opening that door, I guess, to more and more women that perhaps have thought about this or would like to do this, but to actually get started has seemed like this big, gray, blobby, unfocused, what do I need to do next? So we provide a specific channel directly. We call it Women's Wealth, uh, which is the education that we provide with Australian Investment Education. But I think it would be safe to say delivered in a, in a far more female-friendly way. Yes. Um, what would you say to someone that was thinking of getting started I am so excited about this topic, Andrew, because as you know, I'm all about empowering women mm -hmm. to, to take care of themselves and to be independent. And I would just say that specifically what we've been talking, the stats and that we have such a good chance of being successful at these that it, it just, you know, for me, if I look back of how I felt three years ago and how scared and intimidated I felt, mm -hmm. I think had I had that friendly female face to hold my hand and just show me that it is safe and like anything else just like learning to ride your bike is going to require some education and some practice and just following the system then you know it's it's something that there's no reason why you couldn't learn it if you just follow the steps and you have someone like yourself the experts in the field like you know teaching us how to do it or indeed yourself for that matter <laughs> in this case now <laughs> so that notion, and I think, you know, one of the drivers for me sort of creating the financial literacy pathway we have is to open the door to people that perhaps in the past have felt it's beyond them or yes. scary. Uh, and, and again, I think you hit the nail on the head often when you speak to professionals in this industry, you can feel like you're being talked down to. And, I, I, and I've seen that firsthand from a male perspective. It's not just from a female perspective, for mm -hmm. sure. Creating a safe environment to learn in where you can make mistakes and realize they're not catastrophic and understand that, by the way, I know you made that mistake because we all do. It's part of the learning mm -hmm. journey on the way through. Creates a really supportive ecosystem, I think, of, of safe learning. Yes. And learning on its own, I don't know, is the answer because knowledge is just knowledge. It's having that confidence then to apply it. So what would you say was one of your bigger breakthroughs from learning the theory of trading to that casting the rope off and saying, right, I'm doing this yes. and I'm backing myself. I believe in me, I can do this. What do you think was one of your biggest breakthroughs on, on, on that at that step of the journey? Do you know what, Andrew, like you said, it doesn't matter how much you learn. Like I would watch my videos over and over and over again. And then I just realized there's nothing more I'm going to learn until I actually implement it. Like you just said, knowledge on its own is nothing. It's wisdom. It becomes once you actually apply mm -hmm. that knowledge and I know for me it was just starting small and that's the beauty of it that you know I used to think that you needed to have a lot of money to invest when it's not true like you can start small and and just go with the feel like I know for example I could be watching a stock every day for a month or two and I still don't feel I'm familiar enough with the stock until I finally put some money on it mm -hmm. and I have my minimum minimum amount that I always start with if it's a brand new stock yep. until we become friends if you will <laughs> and I always start with that amount and all of a sudden I'm watching it more closely and I'm paying attention to all of the nuances but I that doesn't happen until 
I actually put skin in the game. Yeah. Once I put that Amanda and I become really familiar with that stock, then I feel safer and, and more mm. comfortable, you know, going with the bigger amount. But I, mm. I have, and, and again, the amount that I used to start with three years ago to the amount that I start with now is different because I've I bet, grown. I bet the process is the same though, right? That's the thing that's The scary. process is the same, yeah. exactly. And mm. until I put myself in the game, I cannot become so familiar with that stock until I'm now invested mm. in it. Then I know all the ins and outs. And I think it's just that leap of faith of getting started. And I think just being able to learn from, from us in this case, using such simple vocabulary, because that's a part that used to be very intimidating mm. for me. Like English is my second language, so I don't have a very broad, fancy, elegant vocabulary. And so every time I learn from someone that uses simple words and make it look simple is like that's when I can really grasp it and think I can do this versus Mm -hmm. making it sound so fancy when Mm -hmm. it can actually be broken down to simple steps that any of us can easily understand. I think that that notion of of breaking it down and keeping it simple is, is crucial and I think in my experience seeing other professionals in this industry yeah, they like to big note by using a lot of technical terms and yes. jargon, and I think that's more to reinforce their self-esteem and their alleged expertise, but real expertise in its genuine form is being able to simplify something so anybody can understand it across any language. So true. And I think as well, there's things that some of us might be really good at, but that doesn't mean we're good at teaching it. You know, and in this case, it's like being able to combine those skills of mm-hmm. we're good at training and investing, but we're also really good in the education side mm-hmm. of it to, to teach beginners how to do it from mm-hmm. scratch. I, I remember the first person I taught, client number one, and I oh, just so wish I could bring him in the door now, I'd be blown away. I should do that. He's, he lives fairly locally. I should do that. And it is so difficult to unpack something that you're an expert at and break it down into those digestible chunks. And I guess over you know, 50 odd thousand people we've had to help now have the privilege of helping. And we've got to the point where we're experts at teaching it and it makes it so seamless. And I look back at those first clumsy sessions and it's, it's almost embarrassing. You, you kind of you kind of look, but you don't want to look. You've probably got to watch it on video. That will date the story. It's that old. But, you know, that, that, that's that's incredible that 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 it is that expertise in teaching which lights the candle for people. It's everyone has a desire or nearly everyone has a desire for more money. Uh, and we'll take that as a given, not for the sake of money because money doesn't buy happiness, but it can give you huge peace of mind yes. and it fixes a heck of a lot of problems. Yes. Gives you a lot of choice on how you spend your time, what you do, yes. who you spend your time with. They're, they're all positives. Give it away if you're uncomfortable with it. No problem, that's another positive. Everyone's got that goal, but the actual gumption, the courage, the the fortitude to step off and start is the hardest thing for so many people. And I meet thousands and thousands of people as we used to speaking on big stages Mm -hmm. that you can see in their eyes, they they want it, but they don't lack the ability to back themselves or sometimes trust somebody else to hold their hand and guide them on that journey. And I think, you know, from today hearing your story is to, I guess, rather like marketing, you split test, you give your money to two different professionals who didn't, really respect the trust that you've given them certainly yeah. by their results and try to charge you for it versus what you've been able to do for yourself. I think learning to trust yourself and then also trusting your advisor around you is absolutely crucial. And I guess, again, you know, we've had a lot of experience helping people build that trust up by taking baby steps and showing them the results to validate the decision that yes. they've made to then start to scale. And that's where the real money starts to flow. 
Yeah, and like you said as well, the risk management, because like if you know that you're only risking a one percent of your portfolio and every trade, whatever, like you know you're not gonna lose your sleep over mm. having a losing trade or making a mistake because it's such a tiny percentage that is helping you mm. learn as well. Absolutely. And you know, when you have a trade that goes the wrong way, get the trading journal out, unpack maybe what went wrong. Exactly. And it becomes a, an investment in your learning in any case. So true. To finish us up, as I say, we're very proud that we're able to be at the Vanguard uh, through women's wealth and what we're doing in that space for financial literacy for women. Uh, people listening to this audience, there, there's going to be a call to action button somewhere around something on this on our socials and to a landing page. I guess from there, they're going to get an opportunity to spend a little bit more time with you to be doing a little bit of education and coaching with you and, and hopefully helping set them on their, their journey towards financial independence, uh, self-esteem. Yes. confidence, courage, and ultimately a richer life. Any thoughts, comments that you'd share with people that are maybe pondering, clicking on that button to have a further conversation? I'm really excited because you know what as well, Andrea, I think that the percentages or the probabilities of us doing better with our money than our financial planner is because they're very, um, I guess, limited or regulated as to the things that they can yep. do in terms of, you know, investing in individual stocks or, or ETFs or things. And they're not going to go on an approved product list and so on. Yeah. Exactly. Because mm. I can't sit there and monitor every person's portfolio every day like you would do mm. with your own. So I'm, I'm really excited in that regard because I actually have had a lot of female friends following my journey of trading for the last three years. And they've been sitting on the fence line going, oh, I'm just watching to see what she's doing, you know, and every time we catch up. Exactly. And every time we catch up, they're like, so so how is it going? And they're seeing the, and I'm sending them screenshots so they know it's not just me saying it. Like I'm showing them, I entered this day with this much, I pulled out this day with this much, and that now they're like, oh my god, can you teach me? And so it's exciting because I know that there's so many women that want to do this and perhaps have never had the opportunity to know where to start or who to learn from and mm. and you know it's it's such a passionate to know that i can hold a hand and show them just the way i did it hello i can feel your energy right now and i hope that comes through do you know just to put a final set of brackets around it not only is it been a successful and profitable time for you to be trading but it's also inarguably some of the more difficult trading conditions as i'm sure your financial planner told you uh, that we've yes. seen in recent history and, and and difficult conditions you can describe as an excuse or you can use it as an opportunity to embrace really good, high-quality trading strategies that are proven to work over time. I'm really excited about seeing where this journey is going to go, and our audience will be as well. And you know, it's been a little while in the making; it's a number of years now. But there's a reason that we were both sharing a stage with Robert, and that's to communicate the message that we have to Robert Kiyosaki's audience, and now it's to communicate it with us. So we're so happy to have you part of our ecosystem of what we do, and more importantly, I'm I'm so excited to see how we can open that door of opportunity for people that genuinely need that help that that perhaps have felt a bit scared or intimidated in the past. It's a safe place to come learn and we look forward to helping you on that journey. So many thanks for joining me today for our conversation and more importantly, welcome to the family. Thank you, Andrew. So excited to join in this journey and help as many women as we can. Absolute pleasure. Great to have you along. Thanks very much, Sandra. Thank you. There you have it, guys. Make sure you give us a review and a rating and make sure you share this podcast with someone that may be able to benefit from this knowledge. We'll look forward to hosting you next week.